the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. And we're glad you found us. Thanks so much for joining us here in this recent edition of the Toddcast. Andy Demetra, Todd Stansbury. A quick turnaround uh, on the Toddcast. Feels like just a couple of weeks ago we were visiting with you at the end of the summer. And once the light flips on, Todd, and fall sports gets underway, it really goes fast and in a hurry. So had to make sure we caught up with you quickly again. How are things? Everything's good. Um, we just, uh, yeah, once that um, the gun goes off in the fall, it's like uh, going downhill on roller skates. Feels good again to have that downhill on roller skates feeling, doesn't it? It sure does, <laughs> and especially um, we are uh, we've started off the fall, uh, you know, fast and furious uh, with a lot of success, and that's why we wanted to catch up with you. Now that we're two games in to the football season ahead of the ACC opener this Saturday at number six, Clemson at Death Valley. Uh, let's start there. Two games, both home games, uh, to kick off the 2021 season. The first two home games with full capacity. I know you wanted it to be a spirited atmosphere at Bobby Dodd Stadium, a safe atmosphere as well. That was foremost on your mind. What did you make of the environment at Bobby Dodd Stadium these last two Saturdays? I thought it was a great environment. Obviously, I think the you know the student section kind of sets the tone, and, and our students kind of picked up where they left off last year uh, in uh, you know, a full student section. Uh, they were here early. Uh, they stayed late. Uh, and I think that um, just uh, being able to capture uh, their energy uh, permeates the entire stadium. I think our, our, our kids feel it on the field, and um, just uh, I, I thought a, a, a really positive um, uh, start to the season and getting back to you know some form of normal um, with regards to uh, – uh, att- attendance and fans in the stands and and um, you know just you know I-, I can't say enough about our students what's been the feedback about some of the stadium enhancements you rolled those out last year but with limited attendance not everybody could experience them I know fans like the uh, the new welcome to the flat sign that greets everybody at the corner of North and Techwood now the, the thoughts that the fans have given you about the uh, the in-stadium refreshes and what they've seen there well, I think it, obviously a lot of positives. I think welcome to the flats again is, uh, you know, is really reinforcing the brand of who we are. And um, I, I just remember uh, getting my first letter from from Georgia Tech as a recruit and and uh, and talking about the flats, and I had actually no idea what they were talking about. And so, um, uh, but any, but I quickly learned um, the the significance of the flats and what it means to athletics and and the and the institute as a whole. And so, um, a lot of positives on that sign because I think that it's one of those inside, you know, uh, informational things like uh, George P. Burdell that um, there's not one Georgia Tech person out there that doesn't know what the flats means. It's one of those if you know, you know type of signs well athletic directors like coaches they don't get too high after wins they don't get too low after losses but part of your job is also to be mindful of the temperature of the fan base I know that season opening loss stung uh, given all the anticipation leading up to the season and all the talk about uh, just what an improved team 
uh, Georgia Tech believed it had in 2021. What are your thoughts through the first two games of this football season? Well, first of all, I think we don't get too high with the wins, but we can get pretty low with the the losses. I mean, they obviously hurt regardless of, um, you know, where you are in in kind of you the 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 program and and kind of expectations and those kinds of things um you know obviously uh with the with the loss coming out of the the gate in the first week it hurt hurt for it hurt our coaches our players obviously our our athletic director all um felt the pain of that and of course totally understand uh where the fan base is because uh losses like that hurt um, but again, it's, uh, this is part of a process, um, and uh, we have to realize where we are in the process. And, um, and, and, and you know, you start with, uh, you know, I, I go back to where this all started, and one of the reasons that I was in no hurry for, you know, Paul Johnson to retire was because I knew one, well, first thing, he earned the right um, to to call his own shot with um, his success here and the, and, and his wins and um, and uh, what he had done for our program. Uh, but the second part of that was I knew that um, I would have a decision to make that either we we um, continue with the triple option um, and that kind of uh, and then I go with. Um, you know, a, a Paul Johnson disciple or somebody like Paul Johnson. But uh, with Paul Johnson, I had the the guru himself um, and uh, the best of the best when it comes. And he's going to, and he will be put in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that um, for his success and, and for what he, um, his, his just, you know, his offensive mind and, and the, the um, kind of the inventor of um, the modern triple option. Uh, or we transition out of the triple option into something that's more of a you know a pro style offense, which I knew was going to be a painful transition. Um, and uh, we're now in what uh, starting year three of that transition. And even though you know it's going to be painful, it doesn't make it easy any easier when you're in it. Do you view this as year three? Or year two plus because of all the the disruptions due to COVID from last season, not just on the field and in the week to week preparation, but you know, recruiting and development and everything else. Yeah, I think it, going into year three, it's obviously a year three with an asterisk. But um, even before you even get to that, you, you, you look at the process, you look at what you got to do in transitioning um a program like like we're in the we're in the middle of doing um you know first things first was uh what are you recruiting to and that's why the establishment of the brand the culture um the first thing i did was um uh rate uh basically get a get a new locker room built for football um because when i got here we're 50 gallon uh, garbage cans collecting rainwater in our football locker room. Um, That's hard to recruit to. Obviously now state of the art, but we needed culture, we needed brand, we needed to to leverage our location, obviously the 404. Um, We needed to build an infrastructure uh, because obviously going to a pro set, that means on the recruiting standpoint, you're going toe to toe 
um, and we're in the toughest neighborhood in America when it comes to, to college football, when you look at those that surround us. And so establishing what are we recruiting to, why Georgia Tech, and then we actually needed to recruit, which uh, this, this, this team, Jeff, has done a phenomenal job in putting uh, nationally ranked classes together, which, which hasn't been done in a, in, in a long time. Uh, and then you got to develop players. And right now, because of COVID, um, because of redshirting and, and various, um, you got, you got a, a bunch of young kids. We got 74 players on this team that are essentially considered freshmen eligibility-wise. 74 freshmen, 13 seniors. Yeah, still one of the smallest senior classes in the FBS. Yeah, 13 seniors. And essentially, um, they're, they're just coming together really for the first time. Uh, I think individually, it's, there's no doubt when you look out there, um, you see the talent. Uh, but they got to get used to playing it with each other. And they got to get used to playing um, at this level. Uh, and, um, and so it's a process. There's going to be some fits and starts. Um, and, uh, but I think when you look at where we are, the kinds of players that Jeff's been able to bring in, you know, when that, that switch goes on, it's going to come fast. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I feel um, that we're – this reminds me of, you know, 88, 89, uh, where you saw the talent coming. Um, they were just young. And then once that switch flipped, I mean, you know, they, they, they were going downhill on roller skates. Um, all, uh, you know, I, I've been a, associated with a couple of transitions here. One as a player going from Pepper Rogers to Bill Curry. And, and actually Pepper was the last coach at Georgia Tech to transition from a triple option to a pro set. Um, we we um, had uh, kind of a reunion and celebration of life of Pepper last week. And, um, you know, those players, uh, they were there. They were in the trenches going from, you know, uh, beating Notre Dame without throwing a pass uh, to Mike Kelly at quarterback. Um, and, and that's where we are today. Uh, so I, I, I was part of that transition as a player. Um, and then uh, here's an administrator. I was here when we went from Bill Curry to, to Bobby Ross. And that was pro set to pro set, and that was uh, a, a transition. So you know that you got to uh, follow the plan, follow the process. Um, uh, and uh, that's what I told Jeff after that game is stick to the plan. I think too often you see coaches, especially in their third year, they start to panic and they get away from the plan, and then you have no plan. And um, – if you look at where we are, and obviously I think the COVID year plays a role too because of your, not a, your inability to practice the way you want to practice. Have and, meetings in and person. And teach the way you yeah. want to teach. And when you got a bunch of young kids, that obviously affects how you can implement things and how quickly you can implement things. Uh, but you got to have something to recruit to, which we do. Um, you got to have, then you got to get the players. And then you got to develop the players, and I think um, we got a great example of how that works in house and what Josh uh, did in, uh, in in men's basketball. Um, you know, people got tired of hearing about getting old and staying old, and I know I got 
you know, mocked a number of times and Josh too, um, whenever we said that. But uh, you look at the transition of that team, the transformation, uh, the development of players, and that's what we're doing right now, what right now in football. You talked about that period, 88, 89, leading into 90, uh, and your experiences observing it as an administrator who is also not that far removed from your own playing career. How, how much does your experience from that period kind of inform the patience and the perspective that you have as the AD now and what you're watching with football? I think it's huge because, um, one, you've seen it, how, you know, you've seen the process, you see um you you've you've been part of it you're somewhat emotionally prepared uh for you know how how this transition will take place um that doesn't mean you still don't feel the pain um but at least you know it's coming yeah, you, you understand the pain of a loss, but you also don't treat it as an indictment. Well, and I, and I think what I learned both here um, previously going through those transitions and then um, really at Oregon State and my association with um, a baseball program that um, essentially went from having not been to postseason since 1952 to a national powerhouse that you know, maybe you know, maybe considered one of the greatest programs between in the last twenty years, and um, how that was built. You know, in the current state, how many times would people have wanted to fire Pat Casey? Probably mm-hmm. now considered one of the greatest college coaches in the history of the game. And so, I've just seen that one stability having a plan, understanding where you are and how to take advantage of of the levers that you've got at the place you're at. Um, uh, I think all of that has impacted the way I view um, uh, developing a program, establishing a a program that can uh, compete over the the long haul. So we're 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 playing you know we're looking at the at the long term here how do we establish an athletic department that is foundationally sound has the infrastructure to support long-term sustained success and uh, that's the other part that people don't see behind the curtain is you got to have people, and they're not all your—they're not all coaches. They're academic advisors. They're strength and conditioning staff. They're uh, your trainers, uh, the support staff behind um, the coaches that you see recruiting. Um, one of the first things I did, in addition to uh, getting a locker room built, was I provided Paul Johnson with um, recruiters. Because we, when I got here, I think he had two or three um, people in his recruiting operation, and I knew Alabama and 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 uh, Clemson had it somewhere in the neighborhood of the twenties. I knew we couldn't get to there, but I knew we needed more bandwidth than what we had. And of course, so first thing I did was get Paul more bandwidth on, on the recruiting side, and that is only. Um, exponentially grown um, with uh, with Jeff Collins, and I think we're seeing the results of um, what that does. But that's not something that that you would normally um, see. Uh, but it's um, 
it's incredibly important that you've got an infrastructure that can uh, that 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 can support success. Interesting to get your perspective on it. What we do know is that this is a very grueling schedule that Georgia Tech has in 2021. You got 10 regular season games left. We're about to embark on seven straight in the ACC, and of those 10 regular season games left, nine are against opponents currently either ranked or receiving votes. So, uh, you know, Georgia Tech is going to be thrown into the into the grease uh, and looking forward to seeing how they handle it beginning this Saturday with Clemson. And then after Clemson, we come back to Atlanta, but not to Bobby Dow. We're going a mile up the road to Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the inaugural Mayhem at Mercedes-Benz game versus North Carolina. Limited number of seats remain, 730 Tommy's Leather on Saturday, September the 26th, year one of a six-year deal to play host to a game each year at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. How do you hope this game will take on its own identity on the Georgia Tech schedule? Well, you know, the reason we're packaging it as a six-game uh, six series is that we do want it to have its own identity. Um, while it is uh, part of our season ticket package, uh, it is a home game. Uh, it is a different experience for our fans. Um, it's an opportunity for our, our, our young men to play in a pro stadium. Um, and uh, and uh, it's also an opportunity for us to um, uh, pull, you know, pull that lever on a national, to a national television audience that the 404 is our hometown. And so um, this is, um, you know, the first of six. Uh, but, uh, you know, the hope is, is that this is something that we end up doing in perpetuity. Um, and it's really to establish um, Atlanta um, a, a, as our hometown and uh, provide our fans a unique experience on a yearly basis. Um, and it's, it's going to be a, a little bit different than, than playing on campus. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's going to be that one special game a year that uh, we do things a little bit different. Um, and I just know that for our coaches and, and the young men in our program and the aspiring young men who want to be in our program, uh, playing in one of the best um, uh, pro stadiums in the world uh, is definitely something that, that, that they look forward to. Yeah, and, and there's prestige attached to, to playing a game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Look at the marquee matchups they have. You really want Georgia Tech fans to, to appreciate and embrace the, the prestige of, of having a game every year that they get to play inside Mercedes-Benz. I think uh, most definitely in the fact that Atlanta is the, the center of college football. I mean, you got the uh, College Football Hall of Fame here. Um, I, I don't think that there's any doubt that this is the capital of college football. And so um, for us to, uh, you know, uh, for us to be relevant nationally, we have to be relevant locally as well. And, um, and I think that the fact that we've got that lever to pull of where we are, and of course, um, one of the things I've always said is, you know, Georgia Tech, there are certain things that we can't do because of the nature of the Institute. So we have to play to our strengths. Um, and one of those strengths is our location. And so the more that we can amplify that, um, uh, the better uh, for us and our ability to recruit. Well, I know Tech fans have heeded the call. Very limited number of tickets remaining for Mayhem or Mercedes-Benz. 
And just that you're aware, we talked about this in the last podcast, they're going to have the Atlanta United configuration at Mercedes-Benz. So when we talk about limited number of tickets remaining, we're not talking about the farthest reaches of the upper deck. This is 45,000 seat capacity. And so if you have not yet jumped on those last remaining tickets, make sure you do so. Can't wait to uh, baptize the mayhem at Mercedes-Benz uh, a week from Saturday. And also put on your calendar that October 30th matchup back at Bobby Dodd Stadium versus Virginia Tech. That is the 1990 National Championship reunion weekend. Had to be delayed a year due to COVID, but uh, that is something that will certainly be a, a very exciting atmosphere uh, for the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, let me just say yep. something about um, both, of, both of those uh, last comments is one, um, the students have bought over 5,000 tickets for Mercedes-Benz. So, I mean, just we were talking a little bit about the sp- students and, and, um, and uh, them showing up for games. That's really, really exciting to me. And then uh, the, the 1990 reunion, I cannot wait for that um, because those were my guys. I was their academic advisor. Um, so I know that it's special for all of, um, uh, you know, Jacket Nation, um, but it's extra special for me. Yeah, it's going to stir a lot of nostalgia, a lot of fond memories that weekend. So a couple of opportunities to watch the Jackets here later this fall. Volleyball off to a strong start. No surprise there, up to number 18 nationally after sweeping the Georgia Tech Classic. They have clean old-fashioned hate this weekend. But, uh, you know, again, you see the growth under Michelle Collier, who's now in her eighth season at Georgia Tech. And this was not an overnight process to build the Georgia Tech volleyball program back to being a perennial NCAA tournament team. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, lessons maybe to be learned in the way that Coach Collier has, has grown that program. I think, again, it's a great example of transforming a program. And uh, if you look at her trajectory of, um, you know, basically uh, ending up in, you know, uh, in the top, you know, four in the conference and being slighted and getting into the tournament with a great team um, and then uh, – not getting in and going and playing in the NIVC and and basically sweeping through that thing like butter um, and and winning that, uh, then making it to the tournament to the second round and now you got a team um, that's ranked ninth or 18th nationally at the moment but have had a grueling um, uh, pre-conference schedule. Uh, coming out of the gate and beating Penn State, yeah. which may have more national championships in in volleyball than any other school, at least in the modern era. I mean, they're a perennial power. Um, and then, uh, you know, this just this past weekend, uh, three Power Five teams in Indiana, Mississippi State, and Oklahoma. They, they, so you can just see the transition of uh, getting to be relevant in the conference – and now uh, basically establishing themselves um, as, uh, as a team right now that um, I, I don't uh, that the sky is the limit. Yeah. Boy, if you are a lapsed Georgia Tech volleyball fan, it is a great time to dive back in. Make sure you get out to O'Keefe Gymnasium 7 p.m. on Saturday as they take on Georgia. And you know the walls will be rattling at O'Keefe Gymnasium. Golf, number 18 nationally in preseason. They just came back from Scottsdale, Arizona with the Maui Gym Intercollegiate title. Broke a school record for a tournament score in 54 holes 
by a paltry 12 strokes. So Bruce Hampler already uh, doing some nice things with his program. And cross-country men and women opened the season with wins at Kennesaw State. The women also ranked nationally number 29, fourth in the South Region, the men seventh in the South Region. So liking what you're seeing uh, on both courses, the cross-country course and the golf course this fall. I mean, just think about that for a second. Um, breaking a school record by seven or by 12 strokes in golf when you think of the success the history the players that we have had in this program um and for this team to come right out of the gate and and shoot like that i i know um you know bruce is a is a guy that tempers his enthusiasm um but this team um is uh, they're going to be special and uh, it's just exciting to um, see them come out of the gate because there's some newcomers in the group. Um, but they've stepped it up, obviously. And so them winning that first tournament um, of the year that, uh, that had an all-star cast of, uh, of um, nationally ranked programs, uh, that's big time. And then um, cross-country coming out and, and, of course, men and women uh, winning their first meet of the year. So... A lot of winning going on around here, and um, it's definitely uh, it, it, it's definitely got off, we've gotten off to a great fall. Yep, already a lot of wins in the books, and look forward to more wins this fall as we wrap up this edition of the Toddcast. Todd, we always appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on this quick turnaround, at least in Toddcast terms. We look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks. All right. He's Athletic Director Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Demetra. Make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe, and you know what to do. Cheer on the jackets. We'll talk to you next time, folks, on the Toddcast. The Todd Stansberry Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets! Go Jackets!